Welcome to Speak for Yourself. I'm Marcellus Wally. He's Emmanuel show. So let's get it started out here on the West Side in the NBA playoffs where the Warriors can close out the Mavericks with a win at home tonight. Dallas won game four, but the Warriors have history on their side. No team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. I'm going to say that about 10 times, Otto. So listen, <laughs> and Golden State is now a win away from their sixth NBA Finals appearance in the last eight seasons. So, Otto, is there pressure on the Warriors to close out the Mavs tonight? There's huge pressure, Sal. Um, let's think about it like this, y'all. Mm. Luke is going to be an all-time great in your mind. Yes, yes, yes. In my yes, mind, Luke is going to be an all-time great. In your mind, is Luke going to be an all-time great? I would assume yeah. that your answer watching this show is yes. Yeah. If Luke is going to be an all-time great in your mind, my mind, Sal's mind, mm. then this means this. He's going to have an all-time great moment. Mm-hmm. The Golden State Warriors do not want that all-time great moment to come against them. Ooh. The pressure is on the Warriors to close it out tonight because mm. you do not want to end up on Luka's resume. <laughs> what do I mean? I'll start personally. Mm. 2011, Baylor had never had a Heisman winner in the history of their program. Okay. Robert Griffin was on a historical campaign, mm. RG3. Mm. He had went, he had lit up the Oklahoma Sooners. Beast. He had lit up the different teams in the Big 12. But boy, December 11th. What happened? 2011. Who they play? He had to see Texas, baby. Yeah, y'all he hooked had them. to see y'all Texas, them. baby. Yeah. Now look, Uh-oh. I didn't go to my graduation. It happened to be on the same Saturday as the game. Oh, wow. Because I was like, hey, we going to oh. go shut down RG3 to make sure we don't end up on his Resume. Resume. Yeah, yeah. Before you know it, RG3 is at the Heisman ceremony. And what was the highlight of his resume? For the first time in Baylor history, Mm. they beat Texas and Oklahoma in the same season. Mm. RG3 is Mm. a historical great in the game of college football. Mm. And unfortunately, I ended up on his resume Mm. because historical greats will always have a resume. And you don't want two Golden State Warriors end up on it. Michael Jordan. Yes. Craig Elo finds himself on his resume, Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> Jordan, fist pump, fist pump, we did it. Yep. Carl Malone, he ends up on his resume. resume. Uh, Brian Russell, he Ooh. ends up on Michael Jordan's the homie. resume. So you do <laughs> not want to end up on an all-time greats resume. Okay. In the event mm. the Golden State Warriors do not close out the mm. Dallas Mavericks at home tonight, they run that risk of ending up on Lucas. Resume, because who else is on it right now? Devin Booker. You better believe that Devin Booker's on Luka's resume. When Luka goes to present himself as one of the greatest players who has ever played the game, he going to have a resume. LeBron James has a resume. Mm. And those Golden State Warriors ended up on it. Kevin Durant has a resume. And those Cleveland Cavaliers ended up on it. Kyrie Irving has a resume. Big shot Kyrie, 82-83. I need that bucket. Mm. And the Golden State Warriors ended up on it. Andre Iguodala, block. Ended up on LeBron James' Mm -hmm. resume. All-time greats have a resume. Mm. And you don't want to end up on their resume. We know that Luka's going to do something magical over the course of his career. We know it's going to happen. Like it happened for Jordan, like it happened for LeBron, like it happened for KD, like it happened for Curry. He's going to do something magical over the course of his career. You do not want that magical moment to happen against you. Mm. If the Warriors do not close out the Dallas Mavericks, they run the risk of being the one who let that magical moment 
happen. It's going to happen. I'm telling you right now. Luka <laughs> will have. He will catch a body, big dog. Okay. He caught Devin Booker's. Yeah. He will catch a body. Uh. He's going to have a couple of cats that he has on a resume. Just make sure, Warriors, it's not you. For that reason, pressure on tonight. Oh, man. Y- you came out strong. You came out convincing me that there's no pressure tonight. But you gave a convincing argument to try to create pressure for this moment. You know why there's no pressure for the Golden State Warriors? Because everything that they want to attain is not only within their reach, but their grasp. This is the Golden State Warriors that have not lost to a Western Conference team since 2014 in the postseason. These are the Golden State Warriors that are undefeated these playoffs at home, and they're going back home. Luca has a resume. The resume already started. But to say that this is going to be a climactic moment in his resume, no one can predict. It's going to happen. It's already happened. Luca has the most points in game-ending series games of 36.4. More than Jordan, more than anybody else. When Luca's back against the wall, you see the best of Luca. Here's the problem. That doesn't mean there's pressure on the Golden State Warriors. There's pressure on Luka to try to keep this thing alive. When you look at the Golden State Warriors and a 23 years old Luka, how old was Jordan when he got his first championship? 27. 27. How old was LeBron when he got his first championship? 26. 27. Yeah, yeah. Luka, 23. Hey, man, you got time to build this resume. You got time to find that moment that you're trying to predict that's going to happen right now, and it's not going to happen against the Golden State Warriors. Last time I checked the Golden State Warriors, a team that's already been in the championship, a team that's already had this level of experience, it's not going to be phased by the ebbs and flows that come in a series. They're going to close this out because the most damning stat is no team has ever come back down 0-3 in a series and won that same series. So Luka, in trying to create a legendary moment, is going to do something no team has ever done and no team in the Western Conference has done in the last eight years. That's one way to say you set yourself up for that moment. But the reality is that moment is going to pass you by because this series is over. I don't know, though, so you that's do why know. there's pressure. You do know. I think, but I don't know. Come on. I think. Come on. Before LeBron James ever won his first chip, if we being real, prior to LeBron ever winning his first championship, mm. do you have anything that you think was the most incredible thing LeBron James did, his most incredible yeah. feat? For me, it, it seriously was, one, he came out the gate being greater than the expectations. Two, he took that team to the championship, even though they got smoked. Fair. That Those two were for me. Yes, sir. Within the, the confinements of Marcellus's second point, LeBron James, 2007, takes mm-hmm. his Cavs team to mm-hmm. a championship. The most incredible thing he ever did, if you all remember, mm. first the Detroit Pistons scores 25 of his team's last 27 points en route to a double overtime dub. Mm. That was the highlight of LeBron James' career up until he finally goes to Miami, Game 6, 2012, Eastern Conference Finals, Boston Celtics, 45-15-5. The biggest game of LeBron's career came against those Pistons in 07, double overtime and route to a chip. Mm. What I'm saying is this. Luka has that LeBron James playoff talent. So Luka can do Mm. it. Because you know the talent you're dealing with of Luka, a dude who can casually drop 30 points in an off night. Mm-hmm. Remember, y'all, Lucas shot 3 of 11 from 3 two days ago and still gave you 30 points. So a guy who can shoot 25% from 3 and still give you 30 points 
easily. Mm. If you know what he is capable of, there's pressure to squash him right now before it gets started. Because you saw what Luka did in Game 6 versus the Suns. And we heard what Luka did in Game 7 versus the Suns. So you know you got to put an hmm. end to it right here, right now. Because if you don't, now you got to deal with an even bigger beast than Luka. That's Game 6 Luka and or Game 7. Oh, man. You keep giving me Luka. Luka, 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 Luka. But what's going to advance? Not the Dallas Lucas. It's the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, you're not talking about anybody else for a reason. Of course. Versus the Golden State Warriors. We don't even have to talk about Steph Curry. Matter of fact, that's the first time I mentioned, we mentioned Steph Curry right there. This is the 11th time that the Golden State Warriors in the Steve Kerr era have been up 3-0. You know the last 10 times none of those games went more than five? <laughs> he ain't playing no games. Dallas has allowed 119 points a game when they leave Dallas and are up there in the Bay Area. Allowing the Warriors to shoot 56% from the field. Getting out-rebounded by 15 and not winning any of those games. Dog, they're going to go on the road and be who they are. Those role players are going to be like, uh, Luca, Luca, you're going to do your thing, Luca, Luca. And Luca going to be out there, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the Warriors going to be like, that's not enough. That's what's going to happen. It's just really man versus team. And you know what's going to happen over time? The war of attrition. The team's going to win. The Golden State Warriors are in prime position. You can look at their point differential at home. You can look at their scoring at home, second best in the NBA. Look at the fact that they only give up 103 points. So basically off of averages, law of averages, you know this. Did you miss your graduation to get toasted by Rob? <laughs> I mean, you put up. Give me his yardage. 320 yards, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, four TDs. Damn. 320 yards. They won 48 to 24. 48 to 24? And were those late touchdowns by y'all to make it sound no, good? No, we were up 24 21 and a half. Really? No. You were pumped, huh? No graduation pumped. <laughs> Man, not a great choice, second half. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing, dog. I just don't see anywhere. I got two pages of notes, resume, evidence, and all I'm going to see is Luca going ball, and they're going to lose. Make me feel different. Because when, you, when we talk pressure, y'all, we all know it comes down to what happens if I don't. Okay. Like, pressure can really be simplified into what happens if I don't. Ah. Depending upon how you answer that question dictates how great the pressure is. Hey, what happens if I don't show up for work? That's pressure to show up for work. Yeah. What happens if I don't deliver that line? Pressure to deliver uh. that line. What happens if I don't adequately and properly read teleprompter? Pressure to adequately and properly read teleprompter. It's all about what happens if I don't. So what happens if... The Golden State Warriors don't win tonight. They got another game, and if they don't win, they win. They got another game. What happens if Luka, the, the Dallas Lucas, don't win? It's a, it's a wrap. So that's the pressure on y'all. No pressure on the Warriors to close out Mavs tonight. Y'all just answered the question for me. If you don't beat the Mavs tonight, you got to go back to Dallas. I do not think that's something that the Warriors wanted. Let me ask you this, Dale. Okay. Warriors lose tonight. Yeah. Do you really see Dallas Losing in game six, Luka at home, Mavs, whole stadium behind mm -hmm. him, Cuban on the sideline, everybody rowdy, knowing, hey, yeah. we win this one, we yeah. just got to take him to seven. I'm going to use you against you. Because this is what happens a lot of times in conversations. We go mi macro, micro, and then we get lost in transition. We lose the point. Golden State Warriors going to win this series. Now you're trying to ask me how they're going to win it. I don't know. Just like you said at the commencement speech, which I watched every single word intently. Yes, I did. You know what you said? I want all you guys out there to know that you're going to be working in careers 
that you don't even plan to work in. You're going to be doing things you don't even imagine right now, right? Correct. I can't imagine how the Mavericks going to lose. I don't know how, but they're going to lose. The end game is what I'm talking about. This series is over. There's no pressure on the Warriors right now because even if they lose, they still have two more swings at it. Whereas the Mavericks, every swing counts. Oh, it's a wrap. All right, let's go here then. Okay. Because I understand what you're saying. And I think it's just way easier for us to say from this desk. There have been times where we have been in games and we like, yo, I don't know how we going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Now, after the game, we look at our coach or we go rewatch the game. One of my favorite things to do in ball, because we're in it, so we don't get to ever see it. When yeah. you're the main character, you don't get to watch the movie. Yes. Let's go back and watch the TV Hell copy. Yeah, yeah. Go Ooh. back and watch the game and just be like, oh, that happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know he said that. <laughs> oh, he really did that? Like, going and back and watching a game that you played in was one of the most fascinating things. Yeah. I would go back, Sal, and I would watch old tapes when we're losing by 21 and seeing my coach is extremely calm, cool, and collected. Mm. And I would go ask, hey, coach, how you so calm? And he knew, like, well, I just, I knew the end result. Like, mm. he knew what was going to happen. Mm. But in the middle of it, we didn't know. No. I think about the college basketball national championship for the men's. Uh, Hubert Davis, what was it? Bill Self. Kansas was down by, I believe, 14 points at half. Self, chilling. Like, you would have thought he was up. Because Self knew, oh, he had a more veteran team and they was going to come back and win the game. Mm. Ask any of the Jayhawk fans. Mm. They didn't know that. Mm. Ask the halftime analyst. They didn't know that. Mm. Hubert Davis, head coach for UNC, he kind of knew. The reason I'm bringing that up is you're talking from the outside in. You're like, look, I know the Warriors are going to win this game. They ain't got no pressure. But if you inside the Warriors locker room and inside the Mavericks locker room and the Warriors lose tonight and the Mavericks catch a dub tonight, the Mavs truly believe they can take the series and the Warriors will have a seed of doubt planted like, "Uh uh-oh, can we take the series? Okay, you're right. That will plant a seed. But that seed that's been planted won't be pressure because you can still step on it. So you plant a seed. You know me, I took horticulture, got an A-. minus. The holes and all that stuff me off here we go you can't step on the seeds you plant so you plant this seed tonight we go back to dallas we step on it ain't nothing growing from that no pressures growing from that i just killed that point how many national championships you win in college went to one you went to one did you win no sir okay uh your coach did he look calm in any of those games yes sir yeah he knew the end result, right? That y'all may win a few games, but not win at all. Mm, interesting. That's how it's going to play out in this one. They may win a quarter. They may win this game. But they ain't going to win at all with your cool, calm, collected coach that didn't win at all. That's the point. We never count when cool, calm, collected loses. Mm-hmm. We only count it when, man, he knew. Coach knew we were going to win that game. But Coach looked that way every game. <laughs> in some of the case, we do not win, and we don't go back and give them that credit. Hate to say it, Acho, even if they plant the seed of pressure, ain't nothing growing from that. Coming up, we're hyped up for the USFL this weekend, and we got some stars to watch to get you ready for Week 7. But first, Colin Kaepernick worked out for the Raiders yesterday. What? We'll give you our realistic expectations for the quarterback. That's next on Speed for your Now, Colin Kaepernick worked out for the Raiders yesterday, according to reports, and it appears like he made a good impression. The report says it, quote, sounds like it went well and he impressed. The door is open. So we got a lot of places to go here. Oh boy, do we. Start, um, what are your realistic expectations for Kaepernick? Ah, uh, Okay. I got to get through this wall of suspicion, in part because of experience. I've played in the NFL for a decade. I get it. 
And I also, once I get through that wall of suspicion, just got to analyze it properly without bias. And my bias is I'm suspicious. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't think he's going to play. He already had a workout, finished the workout. And now you're hearing reports about same workout, but we're not hearing about the signing from that same workout. I'm here to tell people. Now, I never had one of these workouts. I only witnessed them. You talk about your experiences and actually going through those workouts. So I defer to you and respect that. But I do know one thing about life. The truth is simple. Lies are complex. When it takes time, when you got to hear reports, oh, it went well. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, I think there's an opportunity. We keep hearing that. To me, that's not the truth. The truth would have been Colin Kaepernick's on this roster. What's stopping him? Nick Mullins? What's stopping him? Backups? What's stopping him? Derek Carr's not going anywhere. Solidified. What's stopping him? They lost Marcus Mariota. They could put the same type of package in for Colin Kaepernick. What's stopping it? I'll tell you what's stopping it. Maybe this was just a kick in the tires. Oh, let's just see what Kaepernick's doing with no real intention to sign him. Or Colin Kaepernick didn't go out there and live up to what the expectations were. Because if Colin Kaepernick went out there in that workout and balled out like Ian Rappaport says, what are we doing here? Reminds me of all the times I heard somebody, I've been there, club, lounge, just on the streets, my dog walk away. Hey, man, I got to go holler here, come back. Well, you got her number? Well, um, man, but fool, you get the number or not. And it's okay if you didn't. Move on. There's 31 other teams. Colin Kaepernick. So this time right here that's elapsing between yesterday's workout and today's no signing is still making me suspicious. Mm, I hear you. What are my expectations for Colin Kaepernick? I have no expectations for Colin Kaepernick. I have no expectations, Sal, because expectations how you get let down. Mm. At this point in time, everything is out of Colin Kaepernick's control. And that is the most helpless position you can be mm. in as an NFL player. But that is a position that Colin Kaepernick finds himself in. Why is everything out of his control? Because Colin Kaepernick cannot sign himself. True. Colin Kaepernick cannot employ himself. Facts. And Colin Kaepernick cannot activate himself to a roster. Mm. So Colin Kaepernick's NFL future is legitimately out of his control. All he can do is let the world know he wants to keep playing. Hope for a tryout, go there, try to audition and impress. But even after he does that, it don't mean nothing mm. because he can't sign himself. Mm. And again, I bring this up. Even if he did crush the workout, were the Raiders really trying to bring him in to sign him right here, right now? Yeah. Or were they trying to bring him in just to say, in the event Stidham doesn't look good, Nick Mullins doesn't look good, or better yet, mm. in the event we realize, you know what? We want a package where we can run with the quarterback. Let's bring in Colin Kaepernick. So who is the Raiders head coach, sir? Josh McDaniels. Yes, sir. Josh McDaniels. If you all recall, Josh McDaniels, when he was a head man in Denver, there was association to Tim Tebow. Mm. If you all recall, Josh McDaniels is mm. the OC uh, in, in, in New England. There's association to Cam Newton. Okay. So Josh McDaniels understands or at least is intrigued by a running quarterback capable package. He understands, or he is at least intrigued by a quarterback who has the ability to keep the ball and run with it. I like. So I don't know that they brought Colin Kaepernick in just to say they did so. I think there's some genuine intrigue. I just don't think that they trying to sign him right here, right now. I think McDaniels is gonna go through camp and see, 
hey, how much do we miss not having a running package with our QB? And in the event we do miss that ability, in the event we do miss that, then I'll go ahead and sign Kaepernick. But I have no expectations because his future is completely out of his control. Oh, man, don't let him off the hook like that. Man, you know I'm a coach, right? So I can't let you get away with this one. Out of his control because he can't sign himself from her team. I hear you. It sounds right on paper. But let's live this out. As a coach, imagine you came home and said, Mama, Daddy, I'm not playing this week. Why? Because it's out of my control. Coach is picking who's playing. I have nothing to say about that. Oh, yes, you do, son. You dictate playing time because you stand out. As Kobe Bryant says it, you had to be undeniable. That means you could be a, a bad a bad player in terms of attitude. You could be late to practice and leave early. But damn it, when he get the rock, damn it, when Acho on the field, our team looks different. And we've been on teams where guys have been able to bend the rules and make coach and force his hand because they're undeniable. Was Colin Kaepernick's workout undeniable is our first conversation. But you can't be undeniable in a workout. That's where you and I pivotally disagree. Mm. Reason is, you know how it is, Sal. Mm. We got those uh, shorts and shirts champions. Let's go. Ain't nothing worse here <laughs> I was than a short and shirts champion. Here. What is that? With shorts and shirts on, they look great. Okay. But then you put the pads on and it's a whole different beast. True. It's true, one of those true. casts and it true. might be, uh, you can't really say it now. You can't say it now. Say Tarzan and uh, yeah. Uh-huh. 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 You know, you know, <laughs> not tweet at us. Um, but it's a saying yeah, that yeah. they used to say about cast in the locker room. Right, look right. like Tarzan and the rest y'all got to figure out for yourself. Hey. Colin Kaepernick, he might be able to look like Tarzan during his workout. Mm. But scouts have no idea how that's going to translate. There is no way for him to look undeniably good on air because it's on air. I've never seen air get an interception. You haven't? I've never seen air. I've seen air get a sack. I'm about to say, what do you mean? What practice y'all at? get a sack. But I ain't never seen air get an interception. <laughs> I know you so have. There's no way for Colin Kaepernick to look that impressive because it's on air. How many suits have you worn since you retired from football that made you forget how you even got into football? We get into football to the highest degree on air. No, we don't. What's the combine? College, we get into no. the game tape. Boy, you stop it. You know how many undrafted free agents have killer tape? But let him have a killer workout. Ooh, where he come from? Malik Willis, good tape, transferred, all that good tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that workout, though. That Marcellus, right here, combine. I was a undrafted free agent or seventh rounder before the combine. I put on some shorts. I put on a T-shirt. And then back in my day, they used to make you take your shirt off. You had to walk around just in underwear. I did that. And then I did them numbers. 39 vert in my pro day. Uh, tw- 35 uh, bench press. 4, 6, 4. <laughs> he went from seventh to second round. That's how you get in the game, big dog. So don't act like that. Know your personnel as well. So you can dictate terms, be undeniable in a workout. And let me say this. <sighs> don't you do that. Know your personnel. Okay, let's disagree on how a workout can go. But if you're bringing in Colin Kaepernick, not Emmanuel Acho, not Marcel Swally, but Colin Kaepernick, don't you feel a sense of urgency to make a decision? Like, if Cap's good. That's Kaepernick? Nah, but it's um, somebody from the team that <laughs> want me to talk to. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I ain't doing that documentary, Spike. I'm sorry. I love you. Though. Uh, <laughs> you ain't going to set me up. Um, I speak for myself. Here we go. Kaepernick, you, get, you got personnel. You know it's Kaepernick. 
There's an urgency to sign him or get him away from your team. Oh, no, let's wait. Let's see how Nick Mullins is going to turn out, who is 5-12 as a starter. No, Jared Stidham, who's never started a game in his career. Oh, Chase Garbers, remember? We just got him and signed him earlier this month, the undrafted free agent from Cal. What you waiting on? If he did it and he showed up and was undeniable, he'll be signed. Because first and foremost, there's no such thing genuinely as undeniable in a workout. But I'm going to give you one better. Ooh, so why, um, and again, I'm not married, so I have to defer to you. Uh, why don't we be talking about married couples don't go through your significant other's phone? Why they say that? Yeah. Well, I think that's any relationship. But yeah, because you're going to take things out of context. Yes. You'll take things out of context or you're going to find what you're looking for. Oh, I heard that too. That's you know real. what I'm saying? Like, if That's you real. look hard enough, you're going to find Well, if, you if you're looking, you're looking because you're suspicious. And you're suspicious because there's probably something going Bingo. on. Bingo. If you're looking, you're suspicious, suspicious, something going on. Yeah. You look hard yeah. enough, you're going to find it. Right. Or you'll find what you're looking for. That's what they say. Yeah. Don't go through your partner's phone. Yeah. It's the same thing with this Colin Kaepernick workout. Mm. If you are looking for him to be inaccurate, then he will be inaccurate. Uh. If you're looking for Kaepernick to be sluggish, yeah. then he will have been sluggish. Mm. If you're looking for him to have lost a little zip on his ball, then he will have lost a little zip on his ball. Mm. You're going to find what you're looking for. Because out of all those passes out there on air, one of them was inaccurate. Yeah. One of them uh, la lacked a little bit of zip. Mm. And when he was going over the bag, simulating, trying to maneuver between the <laughs> offensive and defensive lines, at some point in time, it was probably a little sluggish or lackadaisical. If you look hard enough, you will find it. Yes. So the reason, again, it's out of his control is because if the Raiders are looking for him to not look good, they're going to find it. If they're looking for him to look good, they're going to find it. Remember those first-round picks that were drafted your year or after you? Mm -hmm. They had plenty of bad plays. Yeah, Plenty yeah. of them. Yeah. But the moment they made a highlight, <clears throat> that one coach that wanted them drafted, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how they That's look, it. too. That's it, boy. That's it right there. That's it right there. <laughs> look about at him, go, son. Look at him. Oh, because <laughs> all they were waiting for was yes. that one mm. highlight mm. play. Mm. Because if you look for it, mm. you're going to find it. Mm. And when I look at these Raiders or any team that wants to bring in Colin Kaepernick, mm. if they look for him to not be great, they will find it. Mm. If they look for him to be great, they too will find it. But these workouts don't mean nothing. You got to sign him, and then you got to see what's really good. And they haven't signed him, which is why I'm suspicious, why I'm looking through the phone of the Raiders right now, like, why y'all ain't signed Ka Kaepernick? If his workout was real, on paper, like real opportunity, and he did his thing, why isn't he signed right now? What I think you just did was conflate suspicion with confirmation bias. Now, the confirmation bias is I'm not, I'm thinking Kaepernick's sorry. So everything he does that's bad, I'm going to add that up. But if I'm thinking he's good, I'm only going to add up the good things. That happens in every workout. You know why? It's a relative experience. They know workouts are not perfect, but they know what a killer workout looks like. I can't take that away because it's such an important step in how you get to the NFL, combine, pro day, and even as a free agent. Here's the thing. It sounds like there is some overlap in terms of how much of this workout was genuine, authentic. Like we really are looking for a quarterback because Mariota's gone and you have his similar skill set. Kaepernick, you could add Mullins, add Stidham, add Garbers up and add whoever else you want that's a backup. And Kaepernick's better than all them dudes plus one. The problem is 
If he's not getting his opportunity, only two reasons. This is real. Cap, my son, I'm going to tell him. There's only two reasons why you ain't signed. Either they don't want you signed, and hey, bro, it's out of your hands. Or you ain't doing what you think you're doing in these workouts. And from the workouts I've seen on video, and it's tough because it's edited, it's on air, blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen anything special. Now, behind closed doors yesterday in Las Vegas Raiders, I hope he stepped it up. But those workouts right there, people don't understand what we've seen. The sorriest NFL player you've ever seen, if you ever practiced with that dude, looks amazing compared to all y'all. The sorriest basketball player I've ever seen and played with, I hate to say sorry, but Scalabrini knows he wasn't an all-star. Scalabrini was not an all-star in the NBA. I played basketball with Scalabrini. He does not miss shots. <laughs> Ever. He scored like 90 points in our second half in some celeb game. It's insane. Point being, if Cap is really doing what Cap thinks he's doing, he'd be on this roster, bro. Well, let's say this, because Unless. I'm going to take one step further. Unless. The worst thing that could happen to Colin Kaepernick's legacy would be to be signed. Ooh, I've always there. said that. We there. The worst thing that could happen to Colin Kaepernick's legacy would actually be playing football again. Colin Kaepernick's life has been much greater than anything he could have accomplished on a football field. Mm. His impact has mm. been much greater than anything mm. he could have accomplished on a football field. Colin mm. Kaepernick's legacy, it resounds mm. not only in America, but throughout the world because he was to some degree a figurative martyr. Yeah. But you can't be a martyr if you don't die. Mm. So Colin Kaepernick can't be a martyr if his NFL career does not die. The reason that Colin Kaepernick's legacy is so great, amongst other reasons, is because he had to sacrifice his NFL career for this. a greater good. But what happens if he no longer sacrifices his NFL career? Now his legacy is diluted because he didn't actually have to give up the greatest sacrifice being his career. Mm. One of my favorite quotes is, it is better to be thought to be a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Yep. Right now, we assume Colin Kaepernick can still play the game. We think he can still play the game. But what if he plays and he can't? Mm. See, when you think about some of the greatest legacies of all time, people who retired too soon, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, because we assume their trajectory would have been great forever. But what if Barry Sanders would have kept playing and gotten worse instantly? What if Calvin Johnson would have kept playing and gotten worse instantly? All of a sudden, that thought of their greatness mm. would have reached a reality of okayness. So mm. in my mind, Colin Kaepernick's career, his life, his legacy is greater than just the game of football. I actually think the worst thing that could happen to Colin Kaepernick's legacy is playing football again. You're making me think right here. Because this has been a conversation that we've been talking through and on top of, answer me. You think he's letting his legacy in conversation mentally lead his actions? Or he's letting his actions dictate what his legacy looks like? Because those are two different mindsets, two different vantage points. You will move differently if you're letting the legacy lead. But if you're letting your actions go and then the legacy just say, hey, I added up. That's a whole different conversation because then that contributes to what the Raiders may be doing. Do we want to look better in narrative? Do we want to look better in perception or in reality? Because if it's about the legacy, then there's a perception conversation. If it's about him really being employed, it's about the actions that lead to the legacy. I don't think I've never got to the point where I think Colin Kaepernick is choosing not to be in the league. 
I think he didn't intend for any of this to get to where it got. But like everybody else, you make you make choices. You make decisions based on what's presented in that moment. Colin Kaepernick didn't think, oh, if I take a knee right here, this is going to turn into me being a greater figure than I ever could have been. And I was a big figure as a quarterback. But what he is now, this is where he is right now. Whatever that that signing, whatever he agreed to and settled with the NFL seems to have expired to some degree or altered in some degree. Now we're here. Can I play football? Well, you're five years removed, but you're not the only guy. I played with Doug Flutie, who was nine years removed from playing in the NFL, at least. Is Kaepernick really intending to play? And is he capable of playing is the conversation. But this is why, to your point, I don't know what to think. Because I don't know if that was a real workout. And you trying to tell me that workouts don't matter, and then that's not a real workout, then how are we going to really see Colin Kaepernick ever on the NFL roster? Woo! Let's switch gears because that got confusing to me. What's up, Cap? Holla at your boy. Let's go to the USFL and take a look back at all the exciting action from week six. We're the best team in this league. We go show this right from the jump. At the end of the day, bro, I ain't losing. Going deep. Stop me, man. Picked off and Brown going downtown. Balls up. The big man rumbles all the way to the end zone. Kicking it old school. Oh, dropped it in the basket. What a catch. What a throw. Perez on the quarterback sneak. Touchdown, New Jersey. And they win the ball game on the final play. In the suit, I got to make sure I get my... He's about to read. Oh, you oh, 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 are you tippy toeing that? Are you wearing cleats? <laughs> Sucker over here doing the most. All right. I'm going to preach a prayer. It's coming. Oh, man. You don't want to read, huh? Well, I'll go with it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. The USFL is in full swing this weekend with doubleheaders on Saturday and Sunday. We got a game on Fox and FS1. So let's highlight some ballers who are on the rise. Acho, it's going to be me. You want me to go first? You go first. All right. Tell you about the starter watch. My starter watch is running back Matt Colburn. Second from the Philadelphia Stars. He had a game to remember last week. Y'all finishing. One, two, three touchdowns. Woo! 140 yards on the ground. My dog was out there balling. And the Stars win against the Bandits. It's also no surprise that Colburn was a finalist for Offensive Player of the Week. All right, Acho, with your catch. Who's your star to watch? You know it's all about the defense over here on this side of things, big dog. Defense. Ike Brown, DB, ah, had himself a funny. game. Not one, crispy. but two interceptions, y'all. Mm, mm. And a Breakers win over the Maulers last week. Mm. Now, the first one, FoxSports.com said he showed, quote, textbook click and close ability. Look at him. Breaks. T-step. I need that. Squeeze the elbows. That's a pick. <laughs> Next time, he's jumping oh, around. Oski, we got to pick him up. Taking that Put joint. him down. Pick him up. Seven yards. Put him down. Put the crib. Pick six. Oh, he's Which helped him become a finalist for defensive player of the week. Ike Brown out there doing I love it, man. Dang. Balling out of control, y'all. Week seven, USFL is right around the corner. Action continues this weekend starting on Saturday in primetime between the New Orleans Breakers and Jeff Fisher's Michigan Panthers. Kickoff for that showdown is 9 Eastern on FS1. Then Sunday, the league-leading Birmingham Stallions take on the Pittsburgh Maulers at 2 Eastern on Fox. Hmm. Coming up, the Celtics are a win away from the NBA Finals, but we'll tell you if they look like legit title contenders. Uh, they ain't going to throw you on screen again, Acho, because I'm about to knock though. you off. I got my Office linebacker style. That's next. Don't speak for yourself. And a little Y'all don't remember Terry Tate. Sunday on Fox is the most patriotic day in racing. There's Parson, Elliott, and the best drivers in the world 
battle at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the Coke 600. Coverage begins at 5 Eastern on Fox and the Fox Sports app. Vroom, vroom. And speaking of NASCAR, it's time to stack the cash. Fox Bet Super 6 is giving you a free chance to win Clint's cash this Sunday. More people who enter the Stage 2 contest, the bigger the jackpot gets. Download the Super 6 app, make your picks, and invite your friends to play too. Now let's get back to the NBA playoffs, where the Celtics started off slow last night, but they got it going in the second half on their way to a Game 5 win. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for 47 points, and Boston can close out Miami tomorrow night at home to earn a trip to the NBA Finals. Got to bring in Fox NBA analyst Slick Rick the Buker, but I'll choke. Do the Celtics look like legit title contenders? Man, they do. They do to me. Now, they haven't as of late, Slick. We know how ugly them games are versus the mm. Miami Heat. Trailing by 20 points, I believe it was, in game one. Trailing by 26 points at some point in time in game three. That is not ca- title contending. Mm. But Slick, travel back with me for a second. When I think of the greatest championship teams over the last two and a half decades, teams, mm. to me, the Detroit Pistons 04. They are the greatest championship team. When you're talking about a collection and collective of talent, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they had any top 75 NBA players. Slick, please correct me. Your producer, get me in my ear if I'm wrong. No top 75 NBA players. So if you want to talk about every NBA championship team over the last two decades, I think it is only those Pistons that had no top 75 NBA players. The Celtics very much so remind me of that Pistons team, but they also got Tatum. So now you have a team that has the likes of Jalen Brown, who's been a leading scorer over the course of the playoffs, Grant Williams, who's led uh, as a scorer over the course of the playoffs, Al Horford, who's led over the course of the playoffs, Jason Tatum, who's led over the course of the playoffs. The Celtics are the most complete team remaining of the four teams left. Now, Mm. will Mm. they continue to play at their high of highs? I don't know. I don't think the Celtics have played literally one game as good as they played those games against the Milwaukee Bucks. I do not think they have played one game versus the Heat as quality as the majority of those games versus the Bucks. But do they look like contenders? Absolutely, because they look like a phenomenal team. Uh, I mean, we're thinking along the same lines. I would say, yes, they have looked like contenders. And the comparison with the Pistons actually is a good one because – they win ugly a lot of the times. And it's hard to be able to decipher how much of that is because their defense is so stout and their offense can come and go, but they find ways to win. And that is the mark of a championship team in that when your offense isn't going, that you can still win. That has been demonstrated. The difficulty here is looking at the Miami Heat, and if I'm just going off of last night, they did not look like a title contender last night in spite of winning by 13 points. I'm not going to give them a whole lot of credit for holding a Miami Heat team to 80 points that I felt was offensively compromised from the beginning is playing without Tyler Harrow, where uh, uh, Bam Adebayo doesn't look exactly right. Jimmy Butler's certainty doesn't look right. You get 25 scoreless minutes from Kyle Lowry. And perhaps most important, it was still a game and the Miami Heat were actually leading at the half. Because the Boston Celtics gave up 19 offensive rebounds. They just weren't about their P's and Q's. They were not dialed in. And at this point, if I'm looking at a pivotal game five, 
on the road, I would expect you to come with some semblance of your best game. The Boston Celtics, as you noted, have had this wide variance, Marcellus. Mm. Their highs, when I see their highs, I'm like, oh, this is not only a title contender. This is the best team remaining in the postseason, Warriors included. But they fall off so dramatically. And if you're going to win a championship, you need to find some <coughs> consistency where your fall off is, yeah. not, is not as mighty mm. as the Boston Celtics has been. So I'm going to stay with this. Do I think they are a title contender? <laughs> Ultimately, yes, I do, because I think they're going to get to the finals and I think they're capable of beating the Golden State Warriors. But if we're asking, do the Celtics look like uh, legit title contenders <laughs> right now and I'm going off of last night, I would say no. Oh, man, Slick, you felt, you felt it at the end. You started to fall for the trap. Acho fell for the trap. He said they do. They do to me. And I was like, uh-oh, Acho, say it with your chest. And then Slick at the end, we're like, well, if we're going off now, like, look. They don't look like legit title contenders. Let me help you guys out. They, whatever they look like is ugly. Let's just say that. If they do look like legit title contenders, it's scratching and clawing and a little off the fastball of what we expect a title contender to look like, right? So in a world where you're now told that you can't talk about both sides of any situation, we can walk up to someone and say, oh my God, you look amazing. You look beautiful, right? Well, you should also be able to walk up and so like, man, damn, today ain't your day. You look ugly, right? There are teams that look great. And then Acho wants to bring up a team that looked kind of ugly. The 04 Pistons, that was ugly. And looks are deceiving. Most teams that look ugly, they're actually ugly. Most teams that look like this, they're actually not winners. But this team is deceiving us because they're actually a great team. Why are they a great team? They swept the damn Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie and Durant. Why are they a great team? Even though they were down Middleton, they went out there and won a game seven on the road by 28 points against the NBA champions. Why are they a great team? Because right now they're up 3-2 on the number one seed. So I didn't want to answer this question because I think I'm on both sides like you guys sound like it. No one's believing what you're saying. If you say they're a great team, you got doubt. If you say they're a sorry team and they're not a real legit contender, you got doubt. But right now, I do know one thing about them. They look ugly, no matter how you want to say it. Sellers, you threw me such a curveball. I thought you were going to definitively tell me, <laughs> hell no, they're not, they're not contenders. And then you, Otso, did he not throw us a curve? <laughs> like that first, the first Two, three minutes there. I'm like, oh, wow, he's really going to lay it on us. And then he goes, well, that's next no, but I think they are. I didn't <laughs> see that. Okay, so what is the difference between your take and our okay. take? It's basically the same. <laughs> I gave you a qualifier. They didn't look like it last night. And mm. I assume that we're having this conversation because they went up 3-2 in the series. Going up 3-2 and winning by 13 over the Miami Heat the way they did last night does not impress me in thinking they are title contenders. Because I said the qualifier is as of last night, as of right now. But there's another qualifier to consider when we're talking about title contention, which is, are they a title contender this year? Oh. And if that is the question, then I am saying absolutely they are. Because for everything that we said about the Boston Celtics, looking a little wobbly at times, and their highs being high and their lows being uh, uh, surprisingly low for a team that is on its way to the finals. 
we could say the same thing about the Golden State Warriors. When you get beat by 50-plus by the Memphis Grizzlies, when you lose, when when you're giving up uh, 40%, 50% three-point shooting from the Dallas Mavericks, essentially a one-man band, like when you can't win a closeout game on the road and you've had three shots at it, that starts to tell me that this is just a different year and we have to compare not historically what the Boston Celtics look like, but what they look against uh, like against the remaining contenders. How do they match up against them? And if we're going that way, which ultimately we probably should, if we're prognosticating on who's going to win this year, then without question, and I will say it with my chest, there Marcellus Wiley. Say it. The Boston Celtics are title contenders. <laughs> well, it's a silly question. <laughs> Reason being, they're up 3-2 on the heat. And realistically, there's only four teams left. Mm. So to contend for a title, you got to be in the NBA championship. Duh, they probably about to be Why in the NBA championship. Why are you bagging on Colvin, our producer, for <laughs> having the question? Bad so question. It's a little bit we should have started there. Yeah, it's a yeah. little bit of a catch in, in the silliness of the question, but it really comes down to, yep. do the Celtics look like they can beat the Warriors? There you go. Can we all agree, Slick? There Is you that go. really what we're asking? There we go. Yes. Do the yes. Celtics look like they yes. can beat the Warriors? That. Yes. Yes. They look yes. like they can. Oh, really? But it's not so much because of what the Celtics has shown us. It's what we know about matchups. Mm. We know Marcus Smart. Mm. We know Jalen Brown. We know Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. We know Klay Thompson. We know Steph Curry. We know Jordan Poole. It's about matchups. Al Horford, Draymond Green. For every threat that the Warriors have, the Celtics have a neutralizer. And mm. then maybe mm. a little bit of some when you talk about Robert Williams, Grant Williams. So for every threat and every weapon the, the Warriors might have, the Celtics have something to combat it with. For that reason, the Celtics look like contenders, not because the Celtics have been all that impressive. I told you, Slick, this series, truth be told, hard for me to watch. It's hard for me to watch you Jekyll and hide it from game one to game two to game three to game four. Somebody show consistency. If you are not consistent, then you really can't be all that great. So like I've told you, one of my favorite mantras, mm. you got to be consistently good to be great. You got to be consistently great to be excellent. And mm. right now, the Celtics have not been <clears throat> consistently good. However, we know what the Celtics are capable of, and we know that uh, uh, styles make fights. And that Celtics versus Warriors style is going to make for a heck of a fight if we get to that. Yeah, I told you, telling on yourself again, man. I, I talk a lot, but I listen more. Acho just told me right now, this team not legit contenders. He said it's hard to watch them. It is. You know why? Because they ugly. They are. Yeah, let's talk about it. And then you start saying, well, you got to be consistent. Now we're talking about personality. Nobody care. You ain't booing her up. You are not booing this team up because this team is not legit. Let me tell you why. They are offensively challenged. Let's call it like it is. And they're going to go against the Golden State Warriors, second best offense in the NBA this year. Boy, stop. Here we go. In scoring, nine of the last ten champions scored Eighth or higher in the NBA in terms of field goal and points per, uh, points per game. There was one anomaly, and that was the bubble year. Ah, and then after that, you get to where the Boston Celtics are outside of what that statistic says. Last five NBA champs. Let's talk it. Top five in terms of shooting. Celtics, where y'all at? 15th offensively challenged. They ugly. They don't even shoot it well enough from the three. Okay, top 10, those who've been winning. What are the Celtics doing? 14th. Now, I know Slick, 
Oh, oh I, I forgot to tell you, Slick. They have the most turnovers. Can I throw in one counter here? Okay, go ahead. Hit me. Can I throw in one counter? Hit me. Hit me. One counter. Who are the top three defensive teams ah. in these playoffs this huh? year? Oh, we know. We know. We know the Boston Celtics had the best defense this year in terms of points Boston, allowed. But who else? But who else? Mm. Who else? Who else? Give it to me. The Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, they go. The Miami Heat. Damn. Who have the Boston Celtics had to play? Both the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. So I'm with you. I have mm-hmm. questions about their offense. But what I'm trying to discern is how much is it their offense and how much is it is the fact that they've played two of the toughest teams outside of themselves defensively. My counter to your counter is I'm giving you regular season numbers, not even postseason numbers. But to, to my point, this team just doesn't have enough firepower offensively consistently to do it. How, what's the narrative of the Boston Celtics this, this postseason? Jason Tatum, they go as Jason Tatum goes, right? How many bad games has Jason Tatum given you, right? Several. <laughs> so you're going to give me in a series against the Golden State Warriors that haven't lost, oh my God, haven't lost at home this entire postseason, Jason Tatum's going to give you one, going to give you two? You can't spot them. I just think that they're a legit title contender because they're going to arrive in the finals. But then do we have a legit chance against the Warriors? I think we both know the answer, all three of us. Let's be real. Mm. It ain't that pretty. Looks ugly. Coming up, some big-name quarterbacks are wearing new uniforms this season. We'll tell you how much pressure each quarterback is under. That's next Don't Speak for Yourself. But next week, I'm going to have a different take. Matt Ryan spent 14 seasons in Atlanta, but now he's starting a new chapter with the Colts. Looked like he's already making a good impression, too. Head coach Frank Reich said, quote, Always knew he was a great passer, but his accuracy is insane. Matt Ryan is one of the big-name quarterbacks that have moved on to new teams, so this got us thinking about how much pressure these quarterbacks are under. So, Ocho, get your back out! You can't keep running that route on my zone! That's my coverage right there, coach! I got curl! <laughs> Let's start with Matt Ryan. What's your pressure scale on him this season? How much pressure on Matt Ryan? Yes. I'm just saying five out of ten, Sal. Five? five out of no, ten. No. Think about it. Matt Ryan, he just ain't really been balling when he was in Atlanta. Don't do that. Matt Ryan and the Colts, it seems like a good combination, but the Colts fell short last year. The year before with Phillip Rivers, they fell short against your Buffalo Bills in the playoffs because Phillip Rivers could not drive them down the field with two minutes remaining. Mm. I don't think the expectations for Indianapolis are that high. I don't think the expectations for Matt Ryan are that high. As a result, I don't think the pressure is that high. What do you hope for? You hope they get in as a wild card team. Maybe you hope they beat the Titans and win the division. Mm. But either way, it's not as though you expect the Colts to go 14 and 3. You're not expecting the Colts to go 15 and 2. It's not that much pressure. Go 9 and 8, go 10 and 7, yeah. and he's going to be all right. That's not pressure, big dog. No, there's pressure. Matt Ryan's on a new chapter. He's in a new home. He has a new system. This pressure is up at an 8, big dog. You're not reading this one right. This was a winning team last year. What the best running back in football based on production last year? Matt Ryan, you're accurate. We got a running game. We got a squad. We were just in the playoffs with a guy who had one foot in retirement. Then we got Carson Wentz. That didn't work out. And now we have you as a field general, as a leader. And this is something that's going to revive your career. Oh, there's pressure not only to live up to expectations in Indianapolis, but also, Matt Ryan, who are you? Do you think Russell Wilson is a great quarterback? We're going to talk about him. Yes! 
Matt Ryan's been to the Super Bowl more recent than Russell Wilson has, and I don't hear you talking about you. Let's move on to a Super Bowl champion with the Seahawks, who's now in Denver speaking of Russell Wilson. What's your pressure scale for Russ? Now we're talking to Nate. No. Sale, Russell Wilson no. is the he's the biggest enigma in football. What'd you call I him? Think, <laughs> Come on, man. Russell don't do Wilson that. is either a first ballot Hall of Famer in some of our eyes, or Russell Wilson is the most overrated quarterback in some Still of our eyes. Still a first ballot Hall of Famer, though. <laughs> Okay, okay. Here's the thing about Russ. If you're that good, Russ, it's time for you to show it. Mm. Think about who Russell Wilson is. Mm. Outside of the Legion of Boom and those number one defenses, Russell Wilson is Dak Prescott. An incredible winner, but ain't won nothing in the playoffs. Mm. One in four in his last five playoff games. Outside of the Legion of Boom, Russell Wilson is a one in four playoff quarterback Mm. who gets a lot of yards, wins a lot, but he don't do nothing in the postseason. Mm. There is no Legion of Boom in Denver. Now it's time for Russell Wilson to show, hey, does winning follow me or did I come into a great situation to follow winning? Eight out of ten, high expectations. Yeah, I'm riding with you at the end of that. Yeah, but it's more more pressure than eight. It's a nine for Russell Wilson. Hold on. You have top three scoring defense. You have running game. You have receivers. Young core of great receivers. Russell Wilson, you're a winner. You're supposed to be dangerous. Oh, they wouldn't let you shine. They wouldn't let you cook. They blamed it all on the running game and on the Legion of Boom. Well, here you go. Here's the playbook for you. This team is yours. Russell Wilson is supposed to go out there and take this team, no matter how hard this division is, all the way to the top of the mountain. A lot of pressure on him. But more. he gets some grace because of what you just said. Let me hear. No matter how hard the division is, the fact that you have to speak of the division yeah. lets us know the division is hard. As a result, Russell Wilson's going to get some mm. grace. Mm. If you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes, maybe yeah. the greatest young quarterback we've ever seen, Justin Herbert, statistically through two court through two, two, years, two years, the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Facts. Derek Carr. Derek Carr has an MVP vote in his uh, tenure. If you in that division, I got to give you some grace, big dog. You're mm. walking into the greatest quarterback division in the history of N- the NFL. Yeah. By what my eyes tell yeah, me, yeah, yeah. I think you got to get some grace on But him. he's the veteran of all those guys. He's the OG, right? MJ. Like, you're the oldest. Don't be, I can't blame Araya. I can't blame Olivia. They're younger than you, even though they got their talents. Russell Wilson's supposed to be greater than his greatest excuse. Those just sound like a list of excuses. Let's move on to a quarterback who's on his third team in three seasons. Ouch. Carson Wentz is in Washington now. Foucher, what's your pressure scale for him? Yo, it's all the way up. 10 out of 10. Oh, you got a 10, a 10 dime on here, huh? Um, if Carson struggles this year, now the questions are, will he ever start in the National Football League again? There you go. If Carson struggles this year when Washington has gone in, 16th overall pick, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Mm. Washington has a receiver, Scary Terry. Washington has a solid running back, have a phenomenal defensive line. Mm. Wentz has no excuse. No. He has a coach that's been to a Super Bowl. Mm. He has a bona fide number one receiver. Mm. He has a great number two receiver now just drafted out of Penn State. He has no excuses. If he cannot play well in Washington at this junction in time, then he just can't play well. With the Philadelphia, you took your team far, mm. but when it came time to win a Super Bowl, it was Nick Foles. With the Colts, you took your team far in the regular season. All you had to do was beat the Jaguars and you're in. Fell short. Now with Washington, you have everything a quarterback can ask for. Yeah. you got to deliver. Man, I'm taking a little off of that. And I hear you. Everything you said was accurate, but my assessment is different. I have them at a nine. Carson Wentz is interesting. Here's his excuse. Here's his mattress he can lie on in case of failure. Uh, what are your options? 
Uh, what have you done at the quarterback position? Uh, what are you going to replace me with? And this is my first year into your system. Uh, you really going to put all of this on me? We're in a division where the Dallas Cowboys own everything. And then the Philadelphia Eagles have closed the gap. What about Washington? There are other guys on this roster who have underachieved to the point where Washington has not realized expectations. I just don't think they're going to bring it all on Carson Wentz in case of failure. I think they're going to spread that out just a little bit. Now let's wrap it up with Deshaun Watson, who missed all last season in Houston, but now he's in Cleveland. So, Acho, what's your pressure scale on Deshaun Watson? I have no digits for you, big dog. It's really? like algebra when you start introducing letters with digits. What's that? Not applicable. Nah. There ain't no pressure. Nah. $230 million guaranteed. What'd that mean? So if he don't play, he's still going to get paid. Ooh. If he goes to uh, Cleveland mm. and is suspended for the entirety of the season, mm. which is not going to happen, mm. there isn't going to be an issue because mm. you knew there was going to be some issue. If he goes to Cleveland and instantly mm. wins, there's still going to be some types of feelings mm. about Deshaun Watson. Mm. But either way, there's no pressure. So mm. when you sit out an entire season mm. and the team still pays you $7 million a week mm. while you're sitting out, mm. I believe it's no, maybe $700,000 a week yeah, while yeah, you're sitting yeah, out, yeah, yeah. and then you get a fully mm. guaranteed contract mm. in the midst of 21 or so <laughs> civil lawsuits and civil allegations, Ain't no pressure, big dog. Golly, I know we're doing live TV right now, but I wish I could just say, pause. I want to go home and reevaluate my decision on this one. I got him at an eight, but boy, did you going to make me eat that eight. Good luck. He getting paid regardless. He got paid last year, didn't play. And may not play this year. We don't know how long, how strong he's going to play right now. Let me tell you why I have him at an eight. Because Cleveland thinks that they have a Super Bowl contending roster. And then they came to a realization that, you know what? Our only issue is at the most important position. That's why they fully guaranteed a contract for a superstar and Deshaun Watson. Now, that is some pressure to live up to it. There's two pressures in the NFL that I found. One is, individually, I got to go make a name to get paid. The second one is, I got to show everyone I deserve what I got paid. That's where the pressure is for him right now. If he doesn't get bailed out or he doesn't miss games, then Deshaun Watson got a ball. And if he doesn't ball, then there's going to be some pressure. That's an eight. That's real, but you got to remember, think how easy it is to ball in Cleveland at the quarterback position now. Woo. Like, because they had Baker Mayfield, they made it so easy on their quarterbacks because they had a quarterback who was incredibly limited. Yeah. So now you're walking towards a situation mm. where they have made it easy and have catered to you, and you're incredibly talented, even if he does have to go out and ball right away. Yeah. It's so easy on him to ball because he has more than he's ever had. Yeah, this is interesting. This dude, I don't know what mathematical formula this is, but we're going to come up with one. Deshaun Watson at his best was a four-win team, right? So now that you make it easy for him, you expect that, wow, he was already at his best on a sorry team. What's he going to do on a good team that we make it easy for him? That's still pressure. Like, think about it. If Deshaun Watson doesn't light it up, that's pressure. If Deshaun Watson fails, obviously that's pressure. If he plays, I think your only escape valve is if he doesn't play. But here's my thing. If he doesn't light it up, what's the outcome? That's why I don't think mm. there's any pressure. Mm. If Deshaun goes out there and the Browns go 10-7, and seven, okay, he's still going to be the starter next year Facts. with a fully guaranteed contract. So that's why I'm just like, there's truly no pressure. The pressure is in theory. Huh. You're like, he got paid so much money, you got to go earn your check. So why in the NBA, all fully guaranteed contracts, basically, and there's still pressure for the individual players based on circumstance. We can now get to NFL and see one guy with a fully guaranteed contract and now say no pressure. Because I think one's the norm, one is different. In the NBA, hmm. fully guaranteed contracts are just like oxygen. Hmm. It's just there. Yeah, in yeah. the NFL, you're not used to it at all. 
So because Deshaun already has it fully guaranteed, nothing matters. He can go out there and fall. He can go out there and fall. I do think he will play freely on the field because it's fully guaranteed. Nobody looking over his shoulder. Mm. It's his roster, his squad, and a phenomenal squad it is. Mm. Don't be feeling good at the bank. Wonder if he's going to feel that pressure and what he thinks. All right, y'all. Coming up, get that out of here, boy. <laughs> oh, it's still spinning. Y'all can't see it, though. The Warriors can earn a trip to the NBA Finals with a win tonight. We'll tell you if we're worried about them heading into game five. Next on Speak for Yourself, for defensive you. edition. Yeah. The Warriors can close out the Mavericks with a win at home tonight. Dallas won game four and had their best offensive output in the series. But the Warriors have history on their side. No team, Acho, has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. Slick is back with us, but Acho, worried about the Warriors going into game five? I am slick. I am sell, and not for basketball-related reasons. Mm. The two most important mm. people associated with the Warriors, Slick Rick, who would you say? Two most important people associated with the Warriors on game day. Uh, Steph Curry, Steve Kerr. Beautiful. Yeah. Two most important people in my mind are Steph Curry and Steve Kerr. However, and, and just so y'all know, it's not like Slick Rick and I practiced this. Okay, Slick, I'm going to ask you this question and <laughs> give me this answer. <laughs> I, I just assume no it's kind of common sense. Mm. The two most important players for the Warriors, players and people, that is Steve Kerr and Steph Curry, basketball is not the most important thing to them. Steve Kerr has told us and shown us time and time again in his life, he loves basketball and has won several chips as a player and as a coach. But basketball is not the most important thing in Steve Kerr's life, and I applaud him as a man for that. Steph Curry, devout man of faith, he will tell you, he has shown you, he has said, basketball is not the most important thing to him. In light of the tragedy that faced our world just 48 hours ago, Steph Curry and Steve Kerr were the two people before the game who were most vocal about the tragedy occurring on the night in which they had to play game four, if I am not mistaken. Hmm. So if we're talking about a game tonight, am I worried about the Warriors? I am worried about the Warriors from a basketball perspective because the Slick Rick has said, as I have agreed with Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, they are the most important parties as it pertains to the Warriors. And basketball is not the most important thing to them. I think they have been distracted, rightfully so. I think more than likely tonight, to some degree, they still will be distracted, rightfully so. And as a result, I'm a little worried from a basketball perspective. Mm. From a human perspective, I think Steph Curry and Steph Curry and Steve Kerr have it figured out more than most of America from a human perspective. But mm. we talking basketball. Mm. We talking game five. From a hoops perspective, I am a little worried tonight. I am worried too, Acho. Not for that reason, although it makes perfect sense to me and it's an interesting take and I'm glad that I was here to hear it. I'm slightly worried about them because of what I saw in game four, which was that for whatever reason, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they were relatively effective and efficient offensively. All of them shot well. Uh, Steph didn't shoot great, but he didn't shoot badly. And both Clay and Draymond shot 50%. And yet their plus minus was a minus 18 or worse. It's what we think of the Golden State Warriors and why we expect them to be in the finals and why we think their championship caliber is because of that big three and how they play. And what I have seen through this series is that they 
are not Clay and Dre in particular are not the defensive players that they have been historically. Steph actually looks like he's maintained more of his defensive capability, which was never great, was at best mediocre. He looks like he's been able to maintain that form. But you expect Draymond and Clay to be able to step up and not just score, but also suffocate the opposing team. And so as I look at the makeup of this team and how this series has gone and how the playoffs have gone, I see a, a, a great vulnerability, and we've seen it in this series, and we saw it especially in Game 4, and that is the Golden State Warriors' ability to defend the three-point shot. I think we would all agree that three-point shooting has been one of the greatest indicators throughout these playoffs with every series as to which team is dominating and winning. And if you look at the remaining four teams and how they defend the three. There's a little variance here, but there's two consistencies. One, the Boston Celtics are the best at defending it percentage-wise and give up the fewest threes per game. And the Golden State Warriors are the worst at defending it percentage-wise and give up the most. And that has played true in this series. It's simply been a matter of whether the Dallas Mavericks make those threes or not. But I've been struck by whether they sh they're shooting well or not shooting well. They're open threes that they're getting. And the only question is, can they take that and can they do it uh, in the chase center? Well, they did it for a half, so they are capable of it. Can they do it for a game? That is a legitimate big question. But it's why I'm not completely worried. I expect the Warriors mm. to win. But... There is an opening there and a vulnerability that the Warriors are showing where I believe that the Mavericks have a chance to exploit it if they can. Yeah, man. Oh, man. You guys. You guys. You guys. I love you. Um, the Warriors are going to win this series. So now how are we going to get into winning this series and specifically Game 5? Will they win Game 5? I'm not sure if they're going to win Game 5, but I'm not worried about them going into Game 5. Let's tell you why. Let's say it. Um... This team was up 3-0. No team has ever lost a series being up 3-0, okay? But specifically to Steve Kerr and the Warriors, this is the 11th time they've been up 3-0. And none of those series ever went past game five. So they don't play with their food, basically, if they get into this position. Let's be real about it. You guys remember that they have won 18 straight series against Western Conference opponents. Okay. That's all the thing that you need for ammunition to believe in this team and have confidence. But I do know what confidence is. It's not without doubt. It's managing doubt. So you guys are a little worried because warriors worry. That's what you guys are. Warriors. You are worrying about the warriors unnecessarily. But I get it because when you're in the front, this is like in track and field. So, you know, when they put you in lane nine and you fast, you worry because you can't see behind you. And that worry takes you all the way and drives you all the way to that finish line until you finally get relief because no one passed you up if you are fast, if you're the Golden State Warriors in lane nine. Let me tell you why I'm not worried about their mental state. Let's start there before we even get to basketball. 
Uh, not to get too dark, but my mother passed away 2005. And I remember in that moment, because you just talked about tragedy, Acho. And then tragedy is interesting because you start to negotiate with the world because you're feeling so much pain. You're kind of looking at the world like, do you feel what I'm feeling? And what I learned from that experience was as the world turns, I thought I was going to go to sleep and wake up. It was going to be thunder. It was going to look like Kansas and Dorothy out there, right? Nope. Woke up, sunny skies, clear skies, and it was a warm, sunny day. Here's the thing about the Golden State Warriors. No two things are the same and no two games are the same. So they're not going to wake up in the same mental state that they did just 48 hours ago. They're going to wake up in a different state. Not to say that they are making less of that tragedy, but they do understand that they have to continue going forward because this world keeps spinning. That's why I'm not concerned about their mental state. And on the basketball court, Steph Curry had his series low. Klay Thompson had his series low. Andrew Wiggins had this series low. And that was all in the game that the Dallas Mavericks were able to win. Now they got to take an airplane to San Fran where the Warriors have not lost a game this entire postseason. That's why I'm not worried about the Warriors. Fair enough. Marcellus, the only only pushback I'm going to give you is taking the 18 series that they've won and why that is proof that uh, that that they're going to win this series and they're going to win it tonight. And simply because these are not those same warriors. Mm. I I keep trying to compare them. Certainly, Mm. they're not comparable to the KD warriors. They're also also not comparable to the pre KD warriors. And the biggest reason is because. When we talked about the lineup of death before KD Mm. showed up, Mm. people think of it as a three-point shooting team and a team that just offensively blitzed you. But the biggest difference was they absolutely suffocated you in the second half. They could shut down. They could squeeze the life out of other teams. They're not showing me that capability. And as I look at the pieces, it's understandable. Draymond Green is still a very good defender. I don't yes. know that he's a defensive player of the year level defender anymore. Klay Thompson, by his own admission, is not the same level of defender. And then that guy that you go to as the X Factor, Jordan Poole, is maybe the worst defender I've ever seen in the Western Conference Finals hey. in the history of watching the Western wow. Conference Finals. It's a pro Jordan Poole that show, Slick. Dude. It's a pro Jordan Poole show. Really? That, hey, 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 I'm just saying, I love Jordan Poole. I love his personality. I love his shot making. That dude has, he does not know what he is doing at the defensive end. And he does it many times. How many times after every play is he either looking at Steve Kerr or at the referees going, what did I do? You should know at this point, Jordan Poole, you're in the Western Conference Finals. You've been in this league for a little bit, of Okay. And that is the struggle. Like we're, I think I heard you say in the break, someone said in the break, you know, Jordan Poole's going to go for 50 tonight. I'm like, yeah, and he might give up 55 to someone. <laughs> because that is the Jordan Poole experience at this point. So that's where this team is not quite the same as what it's been, which leaves that little bit of vulnerability. Are the Dallas Mavericks good enough to take advantage of it? I don't know. But they are the best three-point shooting team, and they do make the most of any, any team in the playoffs uh, for all of the playoffs and among the remaining four teams. So it's that three-point window that has been such a factor 
that I give the Mavericks an outside chance of maybe pulling an upset tonight. Man, just run your race. You in lane nine and you the fastest. You over there, but man, I don't know if I don't run my best. You a worrier, man. Don't worry about this. And don't worry about what he said, Jordan Poole. We know you got your heart broke this week in your mind. Coming up, Lamar Jackson is not at the Ravens OTAs. We'll tell you if he mishandled his situation in Baltimore. Next! Oh, speak for yourself. Too much sauce? Worst ever. <laughs> ever. Lamar Jackson has not been at the Ravens OTAs this week, according to reports. Now, he's eligible for a long-term deal, but that has not happened yet. John Harbaugh was asked about his absence yesterday and said, quote, it's up to him to speak for himself. Mm. Ravens president Tashi Brown said today, quote, voluntary does mean voluntary, adding, he does not think there's any reason for alarm. So, mm-hmm. Marcellus Wiley. Yes, sir, 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 yes. Has Lamar Jackson mishandled this Baltimore Ravens situation? Not at all. I think people are misperceiving how he's handling this situation and maybe doubting and thinking he's mishandling it. We all know this. Let's just all start in agreement before we go our separate ways. If you play football now versus if you played football 10 years ago, chances are you'll make more money now. Why? Because later is greater, correct? It's a birth certificate game or when do you go to the table game, right? I always bring it up and it makes me sleep well at night and also wakes me up in nightmares. Joey Bosa making all that damn money that I could have made if I were just a little bit younger or I hit the table when he did, right? Same numbers in a lot of respects. But, oh, that contract looks different. So Lamar Jackson is doing the right thing, trying to stall this out, trying to make this go longer because it's greater later. Now, his owner's already been on record, said Lamar can easily make $60 million a year. I'm going to say it again. His owner said $60 million a year, franchise, franchise, and then it's going to be $60 million by that time. Here's Lamar Jackson sitting back quietly, not saying anything, not going to voluntary workouts as well. Smart play. I don't need to learn the system. I already know the system. What I need to work on right now is me to make sure, one, I don't get injured like I did last year so you can't buy me low. And two, make sure my skills are up to par so I can continue to be the great Lamar Jackson I am. Smart play. Lamar knows in penalty, the worst case scenario is y'all franchise me. And then Lamar sitting there with his mama, his agent said, ah, thank you for the franchise tag. Because you want to know who's made the most money in the NFL of late? Those franchise tag boys. Let's talk about them. Hey, Hey, Kirk Cousins looking at you, Matthew Stafford. Remember you signed that big deal in 2017? And then they told Kirk, you ain't getting Stafford money. Quote, you know that Kirk Cousins passed Matthew Stafford. And that's Matthew Stafford. Mm-mm-mm. Dak sitting there like, oh, you remember when Carson Wentz and Jared Goff both got paid in the same draft class and you were just a fourth rounder? Carson Wentz, Jared Goff are going to look at Dak as he passed them by. So all I got to say is there's no penalty, no consequences, and nothing but to gain by waiting. Lamar Jackson handled this situation. <laughs> Remember that? What was the franchise title? Lean with it. One of them. YT's, one of them songs. Um, He's mishandled it, though, Sal. Don't do that. I love your take. I love the premise from which you built your argument, but it's just wrong. And the reason it's wrong is because there are outliers for data. 
Okay. Literally in the midst of the show, my financial advisors are texting me during commercial breaks. They're like, hey, big dog, based upon average appreciation for a home at 3% and what you can do in the market, uh, 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 increase in the market at 8%, it's best you sell your home at X amount at X date. You just got there. New old home, another home. Damn, the boy rich. Okay, um, my bad. They're like, yo, it's best you sell your home. <laughs> mm. I text them back and I said, yo, I understand that, but the Austin market appreciates at a different rate than yeah. most real estate in the nation. So I understand your data that you built. Mm. I understand the data that my financial advisors built, mm. but there are outliers for the data. Why do I bring that up with Lamar Jackson? He's an outlier for this data. The closer Lamar Jackson could have signed his deal to the unanimous MVP season, the better. Because you get paid based off production or you get paid based off potential. Mm. So if Lamar Jackson could have signed that deal as proximal to the unanimous MVP season as possible, all of a sudden that money would be easier to get and probably larger. But for sure easier because it was closer to greatness. Mm. But now you're asking Lamar Jackson to sign a deal after a year in which he threw, what, 16 passing touchdowns? Yeah. You're asking Lamar to sign a deal after a year in which he threw 13 interceptions? You're asking Lamar to sign a bigger deal after he's playing worse. Mm. So the data, you're saying, speaks volumes. I just think Lamar Jackson is an outlier to this data because he had a unanimous MVP. Season. If he could have signed closer to that date, he ain't got an ask. He ain't got to say please. He just got a demand. Run me my money and run it now. But why would you want that money? Lamar Jackson right now, if he would have signed in 2019 when he won MVP, you know what those big deals look like? Let's go back. Four years, 128. Four years, 134. What did we just see Deshaun get? 230? Five years, two. 30? 100 million in three years? And you wanted me to sign it then? Boy, stop. Do you know what the projections are for Lamar Jackson? This is crazy. Look at this. <sighs> Lamar Jackson, if he get his fifth-year option, 23 million. Franchise, this is worst-case scenario, 33. Second franchise, worst-case scenario, 40. That's 97 million. And I still haven't even hit you in the head in 2025 for 400, 500, dog, later is greater. You got to understand but that. But it's twofold. Kirk Cousins got tagged in Washington, yeah, yeah. but got paid Pays in Minnesota. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That got tagged in the Cowboys and got paid there. in Dallas. Uh-huh. I think that Lamar Jackson is going to find himself in one of those two situations. Mm-hmm. Is Lamar Jackson mishandling a situation for his career? No. Okay. Is he mishandling his situation in Baltimore, however? Mm. That's where I say yes. I'll end it like this. Remember yesterday, Sal, three reasons you show up to off-season team activity. Let's go. Build up camaraderie is number one. Mm-hmm. You have a workout bonus is number two. Or you need to learn the playbook, that's number three. Your three reasons for showing up to off-season team activities. Lamar Jackson, no workout bonus. Lamar Jackson doesn't even know the playbook. But camaraderie, big dog. What? We got to go to Chuck E. Cheese together. <laughs> the hell? I'll, I'll no. give it to you in story form, real form. Who was Lamar Jackson's best friend on that squad publicly? Now? Holly, uh, was. Was, yeah. yeah Hollywood, Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Hollywood Brown is out. In story form, it's like this. The quarterbacks and their receivers build up that rapport during OTAs. Yeah. I watched it firsthand. When I was in Philly, the first quarterback there was Nick Foles. Mm. I was Nick Foles' roommate for Brit when I got traded to Philly. But Nick Foles' roommate on the road was Zach Ertz. Okay. That was his Dog. Yeah, we saw it. But then, <laughs> In the game. bingo, I'm going to get mm-hmm. back to that. Yeah. Nick Foles leaves. He goes to the Rams. He ends up going to the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm like, dang, Zach, who's going to be your role dog now? Ends up being Carson Wentz. Mm. Because Zach Hurts understands, mm. I got to build up camaraderie with mm. my quarterbacks. Mm. Why do you all think that Zach Hurts set a record for most catches mm. by a tight end in a season? Because mm. he built up 
camaraderie in the offseason with his quarterbacks. Who caught the game-winning touchdown in the Eagles' biggest game of their season's history mm. in the Super Bowl? Zach Ertz. Who threw him the pass? Nick mm. Foles. The same duty Bill camaraderie mm. with years before. Mm. So to me, Cell, you got to go to OTAs as Lamar because you need to find your dude. Mm. Is it Rashad Bateman? He missed five weeks last year. You need to find your dude. Man, he already know Mark Andrews, but I get it. I ain't saying Zach Ertz a gold digger, but he ain't hanging with no <laughs> good dude. He out here trapping. He got OnlyFans, too. He know who to holler at. Coming up, Dak Prescott says this is the healthiest he's been in a long time. Tell you if the Cowboys quarterback is out of excuses. Next, on Speak for Yourself. You better hide your wife, hide your kids yeah, around Zach Ertz. Dak Prescott is at the Cowboys OTAs this week and said, quote, this is the healthiest I've been in a long time. Remember, Dak underwent surgery on his left shoulder earlier this offseason and battled with shoulder and calf injuries this past season. Ah, right, Joe, is Dak Prescott out of excuses? Absolutely, Sal, but he's been out of excuses, man. Um, and thankfully, the Cowboys coaches don't necessarily make them for Dak Prescott. It's people like you, people like <laughs> Bucky Brooks, uh, people like Cowboys fans. But what was Dak's excuse last year coming off an injury? Let's hear it. What was Dak's excuse his early years? He was young. Let's hear it. But he ain't coming off an injury, and he ain't young no more. Oh. So now it's just time to deliver. Dak, we pay you to not have excuses. Mm. You know this, Sal. You've been a successful businessman for a long time, and you've been a wealthy individual for a long time. Mm. I'm sure you employ several people Mm. on your team, Mm. as do I. But what you know about the people you employ on your team, I'm compensating you to not have excuses. Uh-huh. I'm compensating you to deliver. And what do they say in business? You get what you pay for. Ooh. That you've been paid $160 million. That's it. So I want to get a Super Bowl. I want to get a playoff win. Since 2019, you got no playoff wins. Since 2019, you are 4-13 and 13 in the regular season versus playoff teams. You get what you pay for. Ooh. The Cowboys have done their end of the bargain They've paid you. I now want absolutely no excuses because I did my part as a Dallas Cowboys, as Jerry Jones, as management, Dak Prescott. It's now time to do yours. Oh, oh. He's out of excuses because you're tired of hearing them, but he has some just tucked away in his back pocket. But I ain't going to mess with Dak. I'm just going to tell you like this. Be patient, my brother. Um, As I employ some people, I say I'm compensating you to be competent. And Dak Prescott is competent. Don't you act like that. Top 10 in passer rating, completion percentage, passing yards per game, touchdowns, and the number one offense. That's on Dak? That's bad on Dak? Let me say this to you, Acho, just in closing, since we don't have that much time. Was John Elway a great quarterback? Of course. What about Peyton Manning? Oh, is he getting quiet, rhetorical? Drew Brees? Oh, you're getting a little nervous. Matthew Stafford? Here's the ages of these guys when they finally fully matured and became Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks. 34, 31, 30, and 37. Dak is only 28. Holding OTAs in his backyard because his crib that big, because they paid for it. They compensated him to be competent. He's more than competent. It's everyone else. The excuses have run out for you, Ezekiel. Here's the only problem with that. uh Uh-oh. Of all those players you named, the majority of those players you named, they all won Super Bowls in other organizations. So the Cowboys don't want to hear the Drew Brees. Stafford didn't. Stafford. What you mean? They all won Super Bowls with not the team that drafted them. 
So right. I don't want to oh, hear that's what you yeah, say. Yeah, I'm going to say, okay. So as a Cowboys okay. fan, Elway. I want, Elway's the only one. No, that's give, the only give, one give, As a Cowboys Peyton fan, Manning won I don't want to hear your excuses Peyton Peyton in Dallas. That's two. That's two. <laughs> it's late. Uh-huh. <laughs> Coming up, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Speaking of Peyton Manning, had a legendary rivalry. We'll tell you if Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen can reach that level. Next on our Friday show, speak for yourself. Stop coming at me like that, dog. That's two. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes' budding rivalry is giving some people flashbacks to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Allen was asked about it yesterday and said, quote, I know people want us to kind of hate each other for what we do and who we play for and how many times we've played against each other, but it's hard to hate such a good dude, close quote. So, Sel, can the <laughs> Mahomes and Allen rivalry reach Brady-Manning level? I don't think so. I can't see it. I can't see it at all unless I'm going to be lazy like these mu- movie execs are right now where every day damn movie coming out now is nothing but a just redo. Didn't y'all know I saw that already? And, or TV shows, too. Here's the newest Fresh Prince. I'm like, damn, he old. Oh, he not. It's a redo. So here's the thing. We're trying to redo something that was already done. Eight total MVPs between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. I understand that's the concluding career. That's the end of their career. And these guys only have one between them right now in Allen and Mahomes. It's hard to compare them because when do you start the comparison? But I know from living through that experience and living through this experience right now, y'all trying to redo something instead of this just creating it on its own. So I just think Tom Brady and his team success was the conversation versus Peyton Manning and his lack of team success, but individual greatness became the jumping point. In this one, you can see Mahomes having his team success once and Josh Allen not having it at all. And they're both individually great. To me, different storylines, but it won't match up to what we've seen before. Agree wholeheartedly. There's no way that this Mahomes-Allen rivalry can touch the Manning-Brady rivalry. And it's simple. The market is too saturated of talented quarterbacks right now for them okay. to. Okay. When it was Manning and Brady, you played against both of them at the early stages of their career. I saw them at the latter stages of their career. When it was Manning and Brady, they were by far and away the two best quarterbacks in football. Mm. There was no debate. Mm. There was no, hey, who you got is one. Man, I got this person is one. Mm. Who you got is two. Oh, I got. No, no, no. It was Manning, Brady, and everybody else. Mm. McNabb, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Rivers, everybody else. Everybody. But it was Manning and Brady. And the stats back it up. Yeah. Tom Brady. Peyton Manning, 2001, 2015. Manning, 160 wins. Brady, sell 172. Next closest was 124. It was clearly Manning and Brady. That's it. Yeah. But when you talk about Mahomes, Allen, since they've both been starters, it gets real convoluted, Sell. Mahomes has the most wins. But then Brady, then Rodgers, but then Allen and Wilson are tied. There is no clear-cut dominance by the others. So as long as there are other great quarterbacks, there can't be a budding rivalry because Josh Allen is not the undisputed top two quarterback. I think Patrick Mahomes is an undisputed top two quarterback right now. Mm. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. You might say Mm. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Somebody might say Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. But Patrick Mahomes is top two. But Josh Allen, he's undisputed top five. Okay. He's definitely not a unanimous top two. Yeah, and there's not the same contrast. Like, beyond you guys have made yourself greater than the pack, pick one versus pick 199 
and they're still in the same place in terms of pick 199 got a better team than you and he's not better than you and you're supposed to be better than him then where's your team and I think that just interwoven into their narrative a little better than what we're seeing right now out of those two but keep it going it's entertaining to watch coming up Baker Mayfield's status in Cleveland is rocky like Sylvester Stallone but he's getting support from Nick Chubb we'll tell you if his teammate is keeping it hunted or just nine nine. That's next on Speak for You. On this show, we only know how to keep it 100. But others out there, y'all keep it 99. So each day, we're going to get to the bottom of who's really telling the truth. Case in point. Baker Mayfield's time in Cleveland appears to be over. But his teammate Nick Chubb still has his back, saying, quote, he'll still always be one of my best friends. He's a great guy. I know with his intensity and his attitude, wherever he lands, He'll be ready. I chose Nick Chubb keeping a hundred nine nine. I think he's keeping at a thousand. Really speaking, um, we know Baker Mayfield has a great attitude when it comes down to winning when he gets on the football field. Yeah. He do, he gives it his all, both at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma, Lake Travis High School, and in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield has also shown us wherever he goes, he's ready. As a walk-on in Texas Tech's tell, he became a starter. He goes to Oklahoma where Trevor Knight is a starter, takes over, takes them to the college football playoffs. Mm-hmm. Goes to Cleveland where they haven't seen the playoffs in 20 years, takes them to the playoffs, win a playoff game. So everywhere Baker Mayfield goes, he's ready. Does he stay ready? That's a different conversation. But is he ready wherever he goes? Beyond the shadow of a doubt, I don't think that's a debate, big dog. Mm, six wins, six wins, six wins, and then one season of 11. You were ready? Give them to us in order now. Okay, okay. Six, six, 11, six. Thank you. Oh, that's a lot of sixes. But out of what? Out of what? He didn't Three play the full, oh, oh, full 17. I don't know. what. I don't even want to argue with you right now. I want to leave and joy and jest and show great plays from our set. These are two former athletes you see right here. Look at Oh, who did it better? You did. Okay, who did it worse? <laughs> Look at that show. Huh? Y'all run the same you route. The My defense. You see the toe? What, what, what you do with your hands? I didn't have to jump. Why you, I didn't have to you leave had to jump? Fingertips, oh. though. You ain't lying. Fingertips. Okay, it's a phalanges, y'all. It's a phalanges, y'all. I'm going to get you next week. <laughs> <laughs>